All right, guys, welcome to bonus episode number one of Mentors on the Mic. Thank you for checking this one out. It's a little different. I'm not interviewing anyone this for this one. Uh, I got a lot of feedback very kindly from you guys about wanting to hear more about my story and my journey in entertainment and my life as an actor. And uh, I thought, why not ask my good friends at Voices of Misery podcast, a very popular, cool podcast, um, if I could use some of the interview that I had with them. So it's an hour and a half long episode. I highly recommend checking it out, not just because it features me, but the podcast is great as well. And I took about a half an hour for you guys and just sort of answered the questions I've been getting a lot. How have I started? Um, and what were my first professional gigs on the Rosie O'Donnell show and this off-Broadway play I did when I was younger. The best advice I took as an actor starting out that I still think about today. Uh, dealing with nerves in auditions and uh, audition technique stuff that I learned and that I'm still trying to work on all the time. And um, projects that I've done like hand modeling, all about like the different hand modeling campaigns and how to book that kind of work. And then things that I've been cut or canceled from. So your girl's been canceled from two HBO TV shows, HBO's Crashing and The Night Of. I booked both roles and for one, it just kept getting rescheduled. For one, just got cut. But a little bit about that process and what that's like. A little bit about being cut from Winter's Tale with Russell Crowe, Will Smith, and Colin Farrell and Jennifer Connelly. So I got to film that one. I get to put it on my resume. But uh, how it felt to go to the the cast and crew screening with my mom by my side and looking at her and saying, hey, my part's been cut. And I was asked, what's my fallback? And uh, every actor kind of gets that. And I answered it. And it might surprise you. I also like to add that uh, I really appreciate everyone's response, either through text or social media or in other ways I've been contacted by email. And uh, thank you so much for your response about this this past season and the mentors I've had. If you have any sort of tips or like things that you'd really like to hear from bonus episodes or from my next season, please let me know. And if you haven't yet, please review on Apple Podcasts. And without further ado, here's bonus episode number one. Welcome back to another episode of the Voices of Misery podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am very excited today because I have a special guest on, and she is phenomenal. Very cool person, very cool lady. Um, she wears many hats, she's got many jobs, and she's also a brand new podcaster out there. And ladies and gentlemen, I just want to throw her name out there, Michelle Simone Miller. It just rolls off the tongue. Very nice lady, very easy on the eyes, and hopefully you guys appreciate her and just... Everything that we're going to talk about today, I think we're going to have a good episode. How you doing, Michelle? I feel great. How are you? I found out some very interesting things about you, and uh, <laughs> I wanted to just, just jump right in, in, into this one here, and I was Please. watching some of your reels, right? Thanks, yeah. You are a, a, a hand model. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do you get discovered? Like, are, like, oh, are, like, are you just there and they're like, hey, you got nice fingers <laughs> yes you know it's kind of a little bit of that so so it, it was for through an audition right so I got my you know my manager I think sent me on an audition at a casting office a prominent casting office 
And they were like, oh, this one's for hand modeling. And I'd never done it before. So I was like, okay, I'll make sure I'll get a manicure, I guess, because <laughs> that's not my normal thing. But I know they're going to see my hands. So I go in, I have my manicure done. And mind you, like I bite my nails, which is not great as a hand model. Um, so I try not to do that around the time I think I have an audition or a job. But that being said, they're fine. You know, like my hands are nice. My nails are like, eh, they're all right. Because um, I'm a normal person and things happen. So... <laughs> Um, I got a manicure. They like looked pretty short, but they were done. You know, they had some color to them. And when you go in for that kind of audition, they basically, they don't see your face. They just look, they have the camera centered on your hands and you're just asked to do things. So they'll be like, oh, can you pick up this phone? Can you pick up this drink? Can you do that? But can you also make sure your fingers are spread out a little bit? Can you do that? But also make sure that the thumb is holding this, this, particular spot um and so whatever they ask you to do and in this case i've done most of my hand modeling stuff was for samsung right i did like 10 or whatever commercials for them and yeah that was so it was mostly having to do with the phone and so they kind of want to a see your hands and then b um figure out if you're like easily directable like if they can tell you to do x y and z and you're able to do it and you don't hesitate you don't worry about what that means you just kind of do it so I think that's how I got that. But it's funny because, so one thing I love talking about with hand modeling is that they, they still give you characters as a hand model. So when you get to set, they have like a whole studio still, right? The whole shebang, except they have hair and makeup just for your hands, not hair, but they have makeup just for your hands and they have a stylist just for your arms. So they give you characters based on what your hands look like. So if someone, like I remember one girl, she's super, super goth. Like that's just her thing. She was an actress who's, you know, very goth, comes in, but her hands are very dainty, like these beautiful white dainty hands. And they gave her like these sleeves and these like nails that were super pretty girly, just like, you know, have all these jewels, like, you know, they, they'd give you jewelry and like bracelets maybe. And they made her very girly, but the rest of her super goth, but she didn't need to worry about the rest of her. She could still be herself and just her hands need to be dainty and girly. Um, so they give you characters based on what your hands look like. So I thought that was funny. So you can basically show up to one of these these uh, these uh, roles, and as long as your hands look good, it doesn't matter what the rest looks like. So you can show up there with like hair rollers on. You could wear like a like yep. a white either shirt, sweatpants, or like as long as your hands look good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, sometimes they'll give you like a shirt. Sometimes they'll just give you sleeves. Sometimes you don't need any of that. You just don't. But you kind of need to make sure that your hands are in good shape. I was never one of those people that like does the like crazy like I've, I've looked people up who are like professional like just consistently work as hand models oh yeah um, like and yeah they're super they moisturize all the time they're very careful about what they do with their hands um they don't do very much else with their hands for fear that it'll you know scar or do something i mean like i said they have makeup on set for your hands so if you have a scar that's showing or you have whatever um I, i've seen some of their videos like i remember one advice they had which i did not do mind you but because it sounds ridiculous, but like, you know, whatever, <laughs> each is their own. But they like made sure they held their hands in a certain way so that the blood rushed out of their hands and so their veins didn't kind of pop out on camera. Um, so I didn't follow that, but it was really, my thing was super fun. I had great times with all the commercials that I've been on for hand modeling. And, um, you know, there's something really funny about like coming to set, no makeup, no hair, just like, I was wearing not pajamas, but like something really casual. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, occasionally, like I said, they had me wear a different shirt with like long sleeves, but normally they would just decorate my wrists and my hands with like rings and watches and bracelets. And they give me cool manicures. Like I, some of my manicures were like super elaborate. They had some really cool professional manicurists that didn't do just like normal things. They did like crazy designs. They also would give you fake tattoos. They would draw fake tattoos oh. on your hand, depending on your character, essentially. So there's something really fun about that. Now, how do you brag about something like that? (laughs) I mean, if I was on any kind of form of TV show, I would want to brag to my friends and be like, hey, this is the part. This is the part. How do you do that with your hands? (laughs) You know, it's hard because like, for example, one of my commercials aired on a like, you know, those jumbotrons in Times Square that like is essentially a video just going on a loop. So Uh my commercial was on a loop in Times Square. And I was like, how do I tell people that like, wait, wait for it, wait for it, wait, those are my hands, you know? <laughs> and, and then wait again, wait, oh, you didn't see it? Hold on, it's coming back, it's coming back. Wait, wait, that's it, those are my hands again. So, um, you know, it's a weird thing to talk about. I, I, you know, I put that reel together for my manager, the one that's on my website, and it's just like a bunch of clips of different hands, like my hands in different commercials and stuff. But it's this odd thing, because you're like, yeah, that's a commercial. You don't think about that when you watch like a phone commercial or you watch like a Coca-Cola commercial. There's someone who had to pick up that Coca-Cola can, pick up that, you know, um, that phone. And, and it's interesting how they do it too, because they ask you to hold weird positions. It's not like you just go on your phone and you like click a couple buttons. These phones that they give you are completely black, right? And they have to tell you what to press and you have to just remember because it's not on. They have to superimpose the actual image in post-production. So you're like clicking on stuff on the phone that's not there. You just have to remember this is the order. You have to wait a couple seconds, go to the next one, wait a couple seconds, maybe scroll down one. You have to remember a list of things to do. And then on top of it, you have to hold your phone sort of in a weird way that you wouldn't normally hold it because it looks good, Mm -hmm. but it might not actually be what you would normally do because you have to hold it in a way that the camera sees your hand, but doesn't see your body. So it's a very interesting job. I don't know how I brag about it. I think I just did it and people would be like, that's weird, but like, cool, but like interesting. And, uh, those are your hands. Got it. Okay, cool. It's a weird thing. No, I I think that's really cool. But I mean, we are so programmed onto our phones and just devices in general. I mean, I'm sure it's just muscle memory. People do that with their eyes closed, probably just know where the buttons are and everything. Unless yeah. you're not a Samsung person. Did they let you I'm keep not. They don't, which I thought was very annoying. I think that one person, I don't know if I think it was a kid who was on the set. I think it was his birthday. And I think he got something as like a, a gift, as like a birthday gift. And I was like, why isn't my birthday falling on this job? But aside from that, no one got any of the devices because all the devices were, A, not working, right? Because they were all um, off and- and But yeah, there were demos because these phones hadn't come out yet. So you still had to sign like NDAs saying that you wouldn't tell people about the cool feature that you're promoting because it wouldn't, it wasn't, it wasn't out yet. It wasn't available. These were commercials that were being done ahead of time. So they can't give you the phones yet because A, you're right, they're demos and B, like, they're not up for, they're not in the marketplace yet. Now, what got you into acting? What got you into show business in the first place? Because I saw that you were on the Rosie O'Donnell show. I was. My sister was obsessed with that show. She used to oh. shoot those foosballs or the, or the couch things in the crowds and whatnot. Yeah. Every day she used to watch it. 
how did you get into that? Like, like how, how did you get into the Rosie O'Donnell show twice? Yeah. So that was fun. I was on two episodes. Yeah. Um, when I was five or six, I started taking drama classes. I think it was like a mandatory thing that everyone in my elementary school did. Uh, I went to a public school in New York City and they had this drama class and I loved it. And I think eventually joined the drama club. And I think around six or seven, I was told by someone, or maybe I overheard it. I remember the exact moment I found out people could do this as a career. Like that fun thing I do in school. I, and I made this like resolution to myself, I'm going to do that. And it never wavered. Like, I don't know. People kept saying, oh, you're going to get over it. You're only like six. And I was like, watch me. Um, and never let it go. And uh, the Rosie O'Donnell show came about because that same drama teacher, I, I don't know how she did it, but she so she was the, she, she's no longer with us, unfortunately. Oh. But she, her brother is actually a relatively famous actor. He was on Sex and the City for many, many years. And um, I, I think maybe through that connection or through something else, I don't know exactly how, but she was able to choose maybe like eight kids or 10 kids from the school in various grades to be on the show. And for some reason I got chosen. So I was one of those eight kids and we were able to go to the set. I think the set also came to our theater class. So we did it in both on both places and we got like goodie bags afterwards and we got to meet her. And it was just like a very cool experience. It was very nice. I got like my shirt that was like, very oversized for my age, but I have pictures of it. I was so happy. And they gave us all these little, like, cute giveaways, good, cute toys. And um, that's kind of how I got into that. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, so you're a, a kid and you meet Rosie O'Donnell. Do you even know who she is at this point? Because you're, you're young, obviously. I mean, like, yeah. what do you think is going on? It's just like, do you think all kids are going through this? Or do you know that you're special at this point? Like, you have these opportunities. <laughs> I think both. I think I, it wasn't that I knew her very well. I don't remember watching a lot of her shows, but the whole experience was so exciting because you got to go to a real set. Like I'd never had anything to compare that to prior to. So like I'd go around and be like, oh my God, there's so many cameras. Like this is something people do. There's a green room. What's a green room? I was being explained what a green room was. Like everything was just so alive and electric and exciting and um, so I didn't know her quite as well, though I do think I probably saw a couple episodes around that time for the first time. Um, but the whole thing was just very exciting. Like I didn't need to know who she was to know to know how big of a deal it was to be on. God, that's. I mean, I would have killed for something like <laughs> that. that. That's so cool. And you know, something else I wanted to ask you was like, what happens next? I mean, like you, you get that taste, you're on national TV what happens next? Because obviously you didn't give up your dream and, and you, you know, you, you, you've been in things. We're going to get into that too. What happens next? Was there ever a time where maybe like you doubted yourself a little bit? Like, Hey, is this what I really want to do? Or this was always your thing. I, it, you know, it was always my thing. If, if any doubt creeped in, it would have been on the down moments that are kind of inevitable in any acting career in the last few years is being doing it professionally. You're kind of like, sometimes you're just like, wait, should I be trying something else? Like, you know, but that we can talk about after. But when I was a kid, no, I had complete resolve that this was going to be okay. I think I told that same acting teacher I would thank her in my Oscar speech. Like I just <laughs> had no sort of qualms. I was like, this is a hundred percent. And it, and what was weird is although I was chosen for the Rosie O'Donnell show and although I was in like all the productions and stuff, I didn't get like a main role until like my last year in elementary school, you know, like I left in at the end of fourth grade. So fourth grade was the, the year I got my first 
pretty good role in a show. So it wasn't like I was in like leads on it and everything. I wasn't that girl. So it's funny to think that someone who like, I was very nervous for auditions um, when I was a kid. And so when I would go in for the, like La Rosie O'Donnell show, they just gave me. So I didn't have to try out for it. And, uh, and I, and once I got the, once I get any job, I'm fine. Like, I just feel very comfortable. I'm like, okay, great. I got this. They, you know, we're doing it. Sure. Um, <laughs> but I think that, you know, when I was a kid, I would audition for like these school shows and I'd get so nervous and I wouldn't get a big role, which I didn't understand. I was like, I thought I would get the lead, but then I'd like, you know, choke in auditions. And, but I still just was like a hundred percent, I'm going to be an actress. Like it never occurred to me that that wouldn't happen. And, um, and then fast forward to when I was 11, I was in my junior high, separate junior high, it was a smaller school. And uh, I auditioned for a show that came into our school, like this one director came to our school because it was a show about the Holocaust and we were a Jewish school. So they cast people from our show and then they rehearsed in that school and I didn't get a role. <laughs> I, didn't, I, got a, I got an understudy for a role. Oh, and that same show was then taken to Off-Broadway, and we had separate auditions for the Off-Broadway performance, and I was the only one in that show to get an actual role, and I got the role that I had originally been the uh, understudy for. So something changed. I don't know what it was, but I was a different girl. I had gone to every rehearsal as an understudy, and then we did the separate show, and no one from that previous show that I was just an understudy for got into the got into the bigger professional show, just me. And I felt like it was my opportunity to shine. So then I was on this off-Broadway show for a while, and that was my, that's what it felt like. It felt like this was my first professional experience. I was going home from school every day and going straight to like rehearsal and going straight to a show. And we did like 16, we did like, what was it? Like 16 shows in two weeks. It was insane. Um, and I was 11. So I was like, no, maybe I was 12 at that point. But I just remember thinking like, oh, this is, this is big. This is not a school show anymore. Like I'm, I'm being paid for this. Not a lot, mind you, but I was being paid and I took that and ran with it. Now, how was school? Okay. Because you're, 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 you're 11, 12 years old. You know, you, you did the Rosie O'Donnell thing. People like in school probably like, Hey, Michelle's on TV. She's a big star. You know, they probably see you and they think of you differently. Did you ever deal with any jealousy or anything like that? Or were kids normally pretty cool when like you disappear for a little um, while? Or something? Yeah. Well, so in elementary school, no one, I think batted an eye. I think people maybe were jealous if they weren't chosen. And so I got some of that, but I didn't really feel, or at least didn't knowingly feel it was because of the show, because like I said, it was only two episodes and, and a few of us were chosen. So it wasn't like I was the only one. Sure. Um, and so if I, if I noticed, I didn't notice anything in particular, at least I didn't attribute it to that. Maybe I'm, maybe in retrospect, it was related. Um, in junior high, when I was chosen for the soft Broadway show, there's just, you know, I don't know if you talk to any girl. I feel like junior high is like, I always feel like for girls, junior high is where the bullying happens. And then like mm -hmm. in high school, maybe for guys, it's more bullying. Um, but like in junior high, you know, I have some stories. And I don't know how much was related to the acting stuff. Some of it could have been. Um, some of it might not have been. It's not like they, they would bully me and then they'd say, oh, it's because of this. I was always known as the actress for the school. So I think that maybe or something or another could have led to it. But I don't, th I don't know if there was any correlation. I don't think people really ever talked about it. They weren't like making fun of me about it because I was in a show or I was on the Rosie O'Donnell show. 
if anything, I was upset that like more people didn't go see the show. Like I thought more people should have supported it. I remember my science teacher went to see my, the off-Broadway show and I was so just so grateful to him. I was like, how come no one else wants to see it? You know, how come no one else wants to support me? So I got some of that, but I always will remember that he went. It feels like in Hollywood, it's like, oh my goodness, like you, you'll be flicking through the trailers, you see the same, like Leonardo DiCaprio, Will Smith, it's like, why are there the same small sorority of actors? Yeah. Do you find it hard to kind of break in to that mold? Because it's like, these people are all getting the same roles, it seems like the same people are in the same things all the time, they're in everything. How do you show up to an audition and make yourself stand out? Because you're just another pretty face and all these pretty yeah. faces. What do you, you know, do? Yeah, I honestly, that's the best question you can ask an actor because essentially, and I learned this right away, like right at when I got out of college, I remember I saw an article that Johnny Depp was quoted in of all people. And he was saying something along the lines of like, you have to find something that you do for a role that's different than everyone else. And once I found that, I was able to book consistently. And I didn't understand what that meant. Like in theory I did, but I was like, well, what could I do that's different than anyone else? And I think for a few years, I was trying to come up with that. And you have to figure out what, you know, and I had friends, like I've one, I knew one guy from class years ago. He, he works all the time. He's in movies, commercials, television shows, big, big, big roles. And, you know, you might not know him right away, but you'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that guy. Like he was in, um, what was that movie? Uh, God, what's the Ryan Reynolds movie? That's the superhero movie. Deadpool. 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 He's the main character in Deadpool. So, you know, he does, he works all the time. And I remember talking to him and he was saying to me too, he was like, you have to find something that's like your niche. Like he does all these roles where he plays someone with like an Indian accent or like an Indian type role. And he, he doesn't even have that. Driver, thing. He's the driver. Oh he's my the God. driver. Okay. And he's Loves in so guy. much stuff. I know. I love that guy. I mean, I, I love <laughs> him too, but like, I don't, I haven't talked to him in years, mind you, but I remember when I did reach out to him about it, that's what he said to me. And I, I, I thought that was such an interesting point. I'm like, listen, you know, you do one thing and you do it well, you can work for a long time. You know, eventually you'll do something else, but you have to find something that you do that's different. And I think because I went in thinking like, oh, you know, I, I've got some looks and like, I've got this and I'm young, like you can give me these type of roles, but that only lasts you so long. Like at some point, all that stuff is still there. It doesn't mean that like, that's not stuff that helps me in my acting career. I'm not going to say that, but I will say you have to find something you can bring to the role that you're given that that you would do differently than other people. And you have to kind of learn how that is. A lot of it has to do with like getting to know yourself, like doing a lot of like human, like evolving, just like getting to a point where you're really connected to who you are. And if like you read a script or a scene, you're able to follow your instinct like, oh, what if I did that there? What if I did this look that I always give my friends that like, it's kind of a silly look. Or what if I add a word right there that I say all the time to make it really casual and authentic to me? Or what if I like, you know, throw this in there that like maybe is a little different and it might just be subtle, but it, it sets you apart from other people who are reading the same lines. Like the casting directors who see these parts, they can see anywhere from 10 to 30 to 40 people for the same role. And so, you know, they're seeing the same thing over and over again. And I've been on that side with them. I've been a reader for what's called a reader for many big casting directors. And so what that means is I read with whoever's auditioning for a role. So I've seen the same people, the different people come in for the same role. And you see the people who get it are the people that take the same thing and elevate it. 
they just somehow feel comfortable enough to be like, let's play. I, I can give you this. And you'll be like, ooh, I like that. I didn't know I needed that. It's not in the script to do that. Um, and sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes, you know, the casting director will be like, I like what you did, but let's do this instead. You kind of have to be like, great, I'm going to throw whatever it is I had and do whatever you said, and I have to be flexible. So I think that, like, yeah, that's a big part of it. No, that, that, that's a great answer because I was wondering this because I was watching The Hangover. Uh, yeah. The, who, who's that one guy from The Hangover? Uh, Zach Galifianakis. That's him. He did an interview where he said, they were like, well, why are you in so many movies in such a short amount of time? He's like, because with these looks, I got to get what I can <laughs> while I can get it. He's like, I'm just going to burn through everything, make my money, and retire somewhere. So right. I, I think it's great. I mean, it, it really is. Make your money while you can and just do it. <clears throat> But something I want to ask you is um, being an actor and just being out there where there's so much scrutiny and people will look at everything you do and judge it with a fine tooth comb. They're going to go over your whole entire career and just look at everything you've ever done. I think actors are some of the most self-confident people out there because you're putting yourself out there for, for scrutiny. How do you deal with negativity in such an industry where you you you, you literally put yourself out there for people are going to talk about whatever they want and it, it, it's 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 something that i admire in actors and actresses just the fact that you guys have the confidence to do it because i couldn't there's a lot of people i couldn't that's why we don't do it so yeah, ask you yeah. That. well it's, you know it's hard there's different parts to it so like the part that you know the fact that i have to go into an audition like people talk about job interviews and how stressful they are right the right. idea of being unemployed and then having to do a job interview job that's what we do that's our career our career isn't as much acting as it is job interviews and so we're professional auditioners. We're professional interviewers. So we go in, we read for, read for a role, right? We're reading lines. And people judge us in the room as to whether we were good or not. And that part, I think, takes a toll on people. That's a part where, like, you really have to flip your mindset and go, this has to be fun, too. You know what? This has to be part of it. If I don't get it, it's fine. I just did what I had to do, and I leave. And that takes sometimes a while. It took me a while to get to that place where I'm not worried so much. You know, there's a subtle thing actors do, and that's what I tell people when I coach them sometimes, but you know, there's a subtle thing actors do that's very hard to get rid of, which is once you're done auditioning, you look up at the casting director for validation. And it's such a two-second thing. It's literally minuscule, but it's it shows the casting director, shows people in the room that like you need someone's approval and that kind of energy plays into how you approach a character because you're more in some ways just subtly more concerned about getting the role and being good and having someone like you more than the actual role you ought to play because if you are fully invested in that role you're probably not going to be quite as aware of who of what that casting director thinks of you right so yeah. that part's very odd and off-putting for we you know for us to like move through some people are really good at it most people i think aren't um so there's just something about that thing where you kind of have to go okay get rid of the fact that these people are judging you get like like shake off the fact that like you know they they you know are telling you they're deciding whether your your fate's in their hands they're deciding whether you get the and i and i get why people do it like if you think about it logically actors um they spend years not making money right they mm -hmm. spend a lot of money 
putting into their careers. I mean, I, I have to tell you, I've spent a thousand dollars on headshots, on professional headshots, and I've taken multiple rounds of headshots. So you can only imagine how many, how much money I put in just for headshots. Mind you, I've also, I mean, the expenses we have as actors are insane. We have monthly fees for different websites that we belong to. We have our own website that we have our domain name for. We have a hosting service for, we pay for both. We do um, classes all the time. We have to keep taking classes. We have to keep taking workshops with people in the industry. All that costs a lot of money. I mean, the, the expenses go on and on and on. So if you think about how much money a given actor spends on their career, let alone the lack of money they make on their career, so then they need those survival jobs, right, what people call, to like pay for all this stuff. And so you're really not making a lot and you're spending a lot, right, on your career and investing in yourself, hopefully. And then you get that audition. How can you not be nervous? Right? Just theoretically. Like, it makes sense. It makes sense that, like, all of a sudden you get a role and you think to yourself, oh, I get this role and how much money I'm going to make? I mean, it's it's a very, like, like feast or famine type industry where, like, the top 1% or less than 1% are making so much money. And mm -hmm. then most people aren't. So you think to yourself, well, if I get this job, not only will I, you know, this help me with my career, but I'm going to make a quick $1,000 for the day, less than the day. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's, you think to yourself, that's, that's crazy. I want that. Of course, you're going to be nervous for when you go in. So you kind of just have to develop these, like, these, like, strong, like a strong sense of self. I, I recommend people to find other things that they love doing other than acting that they can get validation and self-love from that they don't have to only rely on auditions for potential validation so you don't rely you know what i mean does that make sense oh no that makes perfect sense because essentially you're betting on yourself yeah and when you're taking your, your your last couple dollars to to get headshots or whatever it is and then you go to this role you 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 kill it and someone else gets it and you just go back home and you're like that could have been me i can only imagine what kind of shell you guys need to, to go out there, put yourself out there, better yeah. yourself, and and just this, hey, this is it, all or nothing. I, I, I've had I've had casting directors say to me, I think you're gonna get this one, and then I don't. You know what I mean? Like that's so. I've had parts that I've booked on television, two television shows, not one but two. It's very rare this happens, and it's happened to me twice. I've booked two television shows where they've canceled it before I've gotten to even film. And so what that means is, so it's one thing to get cut. So when what getting cut from a something means you filmed it and then they cut it because they realized, you know, the episode was long or the movie was long. That's happened to me too, by the way. It's very common. What's not common is being booked and then canceled before you even get there or you before you even wake up that morning because sure. And, and those are for the same reasons. They might have, like, for one of them, they told me they cut out the whole scene. So it's nothing to do with me. They just didn't want to do that scene anymore. But you just think to yourself, like, there's all this self-doubt that comes up. There's, even though it's not, shouldn't be, and everyone will tell you it's nothing to do with you. You just think to yourself, well, why me? Why does this happen? You know, like, I worked so hard. I was so excited about this one. Um, but you, you just, there's such, such a crazy business. These things come up all, I remember the first thing I ever booked was a movie with, um, Colin Farrell, Will Smith, uh, Jennifer Connelly. It was called Winter's Tales. The first big thing I ever booked. I was so happy. I had one line. I was thrilled and I got to set. It was amazing. It was one of the best days ever. I was like, this is it. I'm just going upwards from here. 
And everyone told me on set it was the most beautiful shot. They were like, there's no way that, don't worry, there's no way they're going to cut this. This is so gorgeous. We just saw the footage. It's stunning. They're just not going to, and I was like, hopefully, whatever. I was invited, you know, obviously a year or two later, whenever it was out, I was invited to the cast and crew screening. I got a haircut. I got a whole new, like, outfit. My mom came with me. We got to the set. We got to the uh, theater. It was all these actors, not all the famous ones, but most of the major ones. And we sat down in the center of the theater. We were so happy. And I knew exactly when my scene was going to be. And I knew exactly when it was cut. <laughs> and I had to turn to my mom and full hair and makeup and, like, clothes and say, Mom, my scene was cut. And she was like, well, maybe they'll put it somewhere else. So we waited the whole film. And obviously, they didn't put it somewhere else. I was, that ended up being on the deleted scenes. So at least I got that. But that happens. That's a common story. That's going to be a story I tell on a talk show one day. But that... You know, it's such a weird industry to have, you know, things kind of come at you and you kind of have to be like, well, you want to keep going anyway. <laughs> I sometimes wish I wanted to do something else or I sometimes wish I didn't want to do this as much as I do because I love acting. Like I love the feeling of being an actor and being in the role that you're given or you're, you're making for yourself and just the flow that happens. It's the same flow I think any creative person does. Like whenever they're writing or whenever they're performing or whenever they're doing something somewhat creative, even a podcast, like I feel like there's, there's something to be said of just this flow of like you've lost track of time and you're like super present in the moment at the same time. You're just enjoying yourself and that's what acting gives me. And I've, I've had that from, from a young age. Like I've been very fortunate to have a passion when some people never have passions or like never mm -hmm. know how to look for passion. So I've felt very grateful for that. But in some moments I'll be like, God, why didn't I want to do something else? Like my life probably would be a lot easier if I didn't need to do this. Um, but then I wouldn't get the same level of excitement and joy that when I, when I do get a role and when I do get to perform on TV or film or whatever commercial. So like all of it's exciting. Like if I'm in a commercial for just, you know, and commercials are short and they're just only a few hours usually of filming, it's still so much fun. You know, like I enjoy it immensely. But I want to ask you, though, uh, what is your fallback if acting doesn't work? What would you be doing if this doesn't go the way you want it to go? So instead of maybe looking at it, I don't really look at it like, what's my fallback? I look at it like, how do I explore the other things I enjoy and that I'm good at that could also give me love and like attention and like happiness and money, maybe all that stuff. And then even if I need to lean on that more than I would acting for a while, like for now, instance, for instance, because there's not much going on, I, you know, it doesn't mean I'm no longer an actor. Of course I am. Still going on auditions. I'm still an actor even if I wasn't going on auditions. But I think there's just this element of like, instead of looking at it as a fallback, it just expand yourself to thinking that you could be more than one thing. You could do more than one thing.